people particularly that have long-term relationships, those are the people you want to hang around because they're definitely bringing value. You don't keep relationships if you don't add value consistently. You make my sword sharper. I feel like the most selfish, manipulative thing that you can ever do is to be nice to other people and add value. Through my life, I have realized that there's always a paid channel of access and that's the best channel to start with. That, that's a mistake I think a lot of people make is that they go into something where they're paying and then they're looking only at what's in it for them. And to me, the big value, like if you wanna get the most for yourself, go in giving value, not expecting to take value, even if you paid for it. And that's why networking events are the worst place to actually meet people because everyone has their guard up and it's quickly a, this is what I am and who, how cool yeah. I am. Yeah, me too. I, I am an introvert by nature, people don't think that, but the thing that is going to get you the most return is to be a good human being. Welcome to the show, Roland. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. This is one of my uh, more fun interviews because of our our fun past. Um, I think it was 12 years ago or 13 years ago we met for the first time. Email marketing world. Email right? marketing world. Yeah, yeah. it actually had traffic and conversion in like 2012. Yeah. And fun fact, that was one of the first stages I ever spoke on relationship capital and raising, and raising money. You, I remember. Yeah, it was a good talk too. Everybody loved it. It was cool because I actually dressed kind of like the way I normally dress with like a backwards hat <laughs> and nobody paid me any attention when the show, when uh, the event first started and I was trying to make friends uh -huh. and then they saw me on stage and they all had that look like, Oh my gosh, that was the guy who that's I funny. ignored earlier. Yeah. So it was, you never know who you're talking to. Well, that's, that's part of it. And now it's made it up here <laughs> onto the screen. I like it. Yes. Um, I think you and me both have built pretty, pretty much our career off relationships. Um, I want to actually go back because one of my favorite stories about you is how you got involved with Ryan Dice and Digital Marketer. Mm -hmm. And I think it's such a valuable lesson. And I think if I'm correct, it started with Wicked Smart. Yeah, yeah. I So I they had a mastermind that, uh, it, uh, for, so first, for because a lot of people don't know what masterminds are, they had a group of people that got together that had different kinds of businesses, but mostly it was online and um, just sharing the things that work best for them. And um, I thought that was really cool. And um, they had it that they offered at this big event that they have a marketing event called Traffic and Conversion Summit. And I went, all these guys had these little badges on that were like, you know, War Room was the name of the mastermind. I was like, what is that? You know, and they're like, ah, oh, we get together and it's cool and you should do it. And I didn't do it. And I was uh, very frustrated at myself for the next year because I'm like, I should have done that. You know, it's just, <laughs> so all the smart people with all those cool things. And but I was like, yeah, I'm going to be too busy. I don't know if I can make it. So the next year I went and um, and joined immediately. And um, what, was, we, what was your business at this time? Uh, I have a direct mail business um, that I've had for years and years and years. And so that was my primary business uh, at that time. I had practiced law for years and um, at that point had kind of uh, moved into this as, as full time. And so I didn't really know what I wanted to do, right? I was kind of, I've got a business that makes money and um, it was actually four businesses and, um, but they were all similar. And I was like, I don't know, I don't know if I want to take this online, but the online stuff is interesting to me and I'd done some of that. So, um, so I went, I joined the mastermind and um, they have a thing that I, I was like, well, number one, 
I'm very intentional. So I went into that saying, how can I get closer to the principles of that? And through my life, I have realized that there's always a paid channel of access, and that's the best channel to start with. Because if you start there, you start as a customer that they are there to serve. You're going through a way that they've designated as this is how you get in touch with this person. I see so many people that kind of like rush up to people after an event and try to, you know, try to pitch them on their idea or talk to them or, or have a relationship or they uh, cold email them or call them or whatever. And it's like, or DM and say, can I buy you a cup of coffee? Can I buy you lunch? It's like, I'm kind of busy. I'm good for my lunches. You know, people that are busy are busy. Mm -hmm. And so when people that are busy create a paid channel of access, they're saying, this is how you work with me. So I've, throughout my life, I've like, is there one? for somebody I want to get to know. So for them, it was this mastermind. So I joined the mastermind because I wanted to get to know them. I wanted to get to know them because I thought that there was going to be a good opportunity to potentially do some deals together because I thought I had good skills that complemented the skills that they had. So um, I joined the thing and now I'm like, okay, I have to stand out because you can't just be another customer. Mm -hmm. You need to bring value. So like that that's a mistake I think a lot of people make is that they go into something where they're paying and then they're looking only at what's in it for them. And to me, the big value, like if you want to get the most for yourself, go in giving value, not expecting to take value, even if you paid for it. So I went in there and I was like, the okay, I've got to stand out. I've got to figure out how do I get them? How can I do that? Well, they had a contest called Wicked Smart where you, uh, everybody that's in the room submits something cool they've done. Not an idea, something that they've actually done that had a tremendously cool result. And I was like, I got to win that. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, well, how am I going to win that? Because all these people that are in there are all these online smart people. And they've been in there, by the way. I'm a new guy, right? So um, I just, I, I looked for what were the biggest challenges that were pe people were having in the online space and um, and basically came up with three things that I thought would be good, uh, good problems to solve. And then I just worked my butt off until I got solutions to those problems. And so I went in loaded for bear, not with one, but with three things. Do you remember the three? Uh, I remember one of them was um, how do you get – uh, at the time, they, people were trying to figure out how do you get the um, names of people that are on Facebook and emails into a uh, a place where you can you know where you can actually contact them directly uh, because you you could do it through Google um, but you could only get two hundred so if you had five thousand which was the cap I think at the time um, you wouldn't be able to get that why I found that Skype had a contact integration with Facebook. And um, basically I saw that it, it wouldn't give them to you, but it was, it was actually sucking the name. You could actually see all of the people's emails and everything as it was doing its little thing. And so I basically got with the person and figured out how to hack into that and suck all those names out. And so I was like, you can do it this way. <laughs> and um, another one was basically kind of Insta ranking automatically, for sites on Google using um, SEO. So basically auto-generating content that would populate a blog network, private blog network, and then um, rank sites with cross-links to basically drive authority to them to get things ranked super quickly. I don't remember what the third one was, but um, but they liked them. 
And, um, and so one of the guys came over to me after the thing that for, first off, uh, they were like at the front of the room, kind of not paying attention, you know, ish to everybody like, like you are when you're busy. And then they were like, I saw, and then leaning forward and then it was like, are you guys getting this? And I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. Um, and so one of them came over to me after the thing broke and he, you know, said, um, Hey, listen, I want you to come to dinner with us tonight. I want you to be sure you sit next to me. Uh, cause, uh, I want to talk to you about some stuff. And so that, that was my entry into mm -hmm. being able to do that. But then even after that, like I took really extensive notes at all of the meetings and I gave them to everybody. And so the it notes, was like you took. notes that I took with links and everything. And I'm, I'm very, uh, I'm a meticulous note taker and I don't want just the thing that you just said, I'm going to be Googling the thing that you said and looking at it and finding a sites and all of that kind of stuff. So I'd put all the links and all that kind of stuff in it. And it was, you know, it was a, like a pretty cool resource list every single time. Cause everybody in the room was really, really smart. So I just gave that out to people and, you know, tried to help everybody that I could and built a, a whole bunch of long-term relationships out of it. What I love about that story. And when you told me that story, I think 12 years ago, when we were hanging out in the green room during traffic and conversion, mm. I fell in love with you. Um, I fell in love with you because what you're really saying is you were resource, you became a resource for everybody around you. Correct. Which means your necessity, mm -hmm. your essential. It's like when you're on a, you know, if you can only go to a desert, deserted island with like three things, <laughs> you made yourself one of those three things. That's the goal, right? And that's very sticky. Mm -hmm. And I think as everyone's trying to figure out how to grow relationship capital, how do we meet people? How do we get them to want to do business with us? We want to do business with people who help us. Right. I mean, we're all selfish in a weird way. Mm -hmm. Even if we don't think we are, everything is selfish. Even doing something for your kids is selfish. It makes you feel good. Yeah. And if I'm doing a business, I knew that day I had to do business with you. And I think that's what was the beginning of our relationship. And full disclosure, you have equity in all my companies. You're an advisor and mentor of mine forever, a friend and someone that I just love picking your brain and having good conversation because you make my sword sharper whether you realize or not, just as a friend. I appreciate just, that. And and I felt the same way, uh, the same thing when we met because you were talking about, I think you had just raised some money or helped somebody raise some money. And it was all the relationships that you had. And to me, it's like people that have relationships care, people that have relationships give, you know, and people particularly that have long-term relationships, those are the people you want to hang around because they're definitely bringing value. You don't keep relationships if you don't add value consistently. And how you add value, because you add value by being very intelligent and, as you said, um, precise, mm -hmm. right? You're very thoughtful on what you're trying to deliver. My approach is, because I, I don't necessarily see the world in the same way, even though I want to, mm -hmm. mine has always been lead with time, value, and effort. Mm -hmm. I, if I can't help as far as like make myself more resourceful as far as what I can do to uh, maybe improve your company, mm -hmm. I'll lend a hand. Yeah. I'll find a way to be resourceful right. and valuable. Right. And so there's lots of ways, but that day always stuck with me. And I don't think I ever actually shared that with you. So That's I felt really like, cool. you know, why not do it on the show? It's funny because it was both ways because I saw that same thing. I was like, you know, look at all this, the, the, the network that you had. I was like, that is impressive. Got to get to know this guy, <laughs> you know, so that well, yeah, worked out. Well, thank you. And even more importantly, when I went to traffic and conversion, I didn't know you, I meaning because back then this was, you know, pre-Instagram. You Ryan, right? I knew Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. Through Neil. Yeah. Uh, I, at That's the time right. I had my digital marketing That's agency right. with Neil Patel. Yeah, and yeah. so I got introduced to Ryan and he asked, invited me to come speak. And so I'm, I'm there and I only knew Ryan and I knew Frank Kern a little mm -hmm. bit. And then I met you and Perry that night. Mm -hmm. And that was my first introduction. And I left going, oh my gosh, 
Roland is awesome. Oh, that's awesome. And I think <laughs> the point is, in addition to paid access, is when you go and you think that you're going for one person, by recognizing that everybody is someone you want to meet, somebody yeah. you want to learn from, yeah. that's one of those lessons that has allowed me to build my network, which yeah. is now one of the ways that I'm resourceful and why people want me in a room. Yes. Yeah, I, I think it's... Uh, it is another giant mistake that people make to think. It's funny because I just hosted a mastermind and somebody in there was telling me that they didn't think that the people were, they're like, I can't really get anything out of this. This guy, uh, you know, they've, they've got uh, $100 million in sales, but they're losing money and these people aren't big enough and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, I said, that is something that you can think about, but it will constrain the connections that you make and the learnings that you have because, yeah, this person's got $100 million in sales and they're not making money. But if you say, I'm ruling that out, then you're not learning how did they get $100 million in sales, which to me is pretty impressive because not a lot of companies hit that. Correct. You know, it's, it's, you can absolutely learn something from everybody. And so if you're kind and giving to everyone and you're open to the fact, fact that you can learn something from everybody, no matter who it is, then you don't limit yourself, right? Mm -hmm. We build these boxes around ourselves so artificially and it's so foolish because <laughs> you can learn. I mean, the unhoused person on the street, you can learn stuff from. You really can, right? I mean, I think in Batman, he, uh, Bruce in the new Batman series or the last one, whatever, he was homeless for a while. Mm -hmm. He happened to be one of the wealthiest people in Gotham. Right. I mean, right. you don't know what you don't know. You never know. Uh, my son and I were talking about that. There's a guy that I'm business partners with, and um, and he takes home, takes home maybe 40 million bucks a year. That's and, it? Um, and he's just the nicest giving guy that you would ever know. And he's, you know, he's in a baseball hat. He doesn't dress fancy. He doesn't wear anything expensive or anything like that. And um, he was standing at the bar talking to somebody, and my son was like, man, you really don't ever know who people, who you're next to. He's like, I know what he does. And he just looks like, you know, some guy at the bar, sure. you know, and in a hotel, you know, that's probably just a, like a, you know, business person, employee type guy, but, but he's this serious, hardcore business person, you know? So maybe <laughs> be nice to everybody, maybe be open to the fact that you can learn from everybody and, um, and treat everybody with the respect that comes from thinking that they can bring something. And I love that that's what you said, because I, I feel we do a bad job in society of pre-qualifying everybody. We do. Who are you? What value do you have? What do you do? Yeah. And that's why networking events are the worst place to actually meet people because everyone has their guard up and it's quickly a, this is what I am and who, how cool yeah. I am. Yeah. And, and I'm terrible at those, by the way. Me too. I, I am an introvert by nature. People don't think that, but if you put me in that room, like at the chamber of commerce mixer where I have been before I'm in the corner, just unhappy that I'm there. <laughs> and you're the same way. I am the same yeah. way. Because I'm not the, you know, Hey, how you doing? You know, good to meet you. I, Cause everybody wants something. Yes. And it's actually just, everyone has their chest out and they're worried that they have to fit in versus, you know, and you, I don't know if you know the story, but when, when I had my payroll business, my largest client before I took private equity capital in was from the brother of the woman who does the checkout at Albertsons near my home. I didn't know that. But, yeah. but that's it, right? A year and a half of me just making small talk with her just because I'm checking out and I didn't right. just put my head down and look at my phone. She knew I owned a payroll company. Right. She knew my family. 
She saw me every week, right. probably once or twice. And she liked you. And she liked me enough. Right. So when her brother was complaining that their payroll company effed up and they needed a new one, she said, I have somebody for you and asked me if I wanted the intro. He had over a thousand employees. It was a six figure contract for my small little payroll company right. in 08. Yeah. Changed my whole company overnight. Yeah. You never know. Never know. Yeah. And I, you know, what I like to say is everybody is someone's brother, sister, cousin, aunt, uncle, friend. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing what a friend can introduce you to. It is. I, I like to say the most selfish thing that you can do, the most manipulative thing that you can do is be nice to other people and give value. <laughs> and isn't that cool? Like, I that, love that Isn't thing. it cool that the thing that is going to get you the most return is to be a good human being? Can you say that one more time? <laughs> that was just so good. I want to make sure I, I just, remember I feel it. like the most selfish, manipulative thing that you can ever do is to be nice to other people and add value. Hey, fitness fans, ready to crush your fitness goals? Make your move to EOS Fitness, where becoming a member starts at just $9.99 a month. Gyms are open 24-7 and packed with the latest gym equipment to keep your workouts fresh. What are you waiting for? Give them a call, drop by, or hit up jefffenster.com forward slash EOS to join. EOS Fitness, better gym, better price. Now, let's get after those goals. Because that's what creates relationships. That's what creates a uh, a feeling of reciprocity. If you look mm -hmm. at Cialdini and you know what 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 is persuasion, but it's so cool because like that's be a good human means you're going to be the most successful person. The people that play the game of manipulating, angling, jockeying for position, chest puffing, all of that kind of stuff. You know, see at the the we call them Bedelias. You know, who's the better deal? The person in the room. I, I remember there was a. Uh, networking event that I went to that had a speed dating thing where you a group of people sat in one ring of chairs, the other people on the inner ring moved every five minutes or something. And I came up to this guy and I knew who he was and, you know, he didn't, I, I was nobody. Um, but the whole time I was talking to him, it was, he was, you know, so the, 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 and another guy here in town that I met with and, um, uh, and he had actually asked me to lunch because I had done a launch and the whole time my wife went with me and she's like the whole time, He's just like, you know, whatever, yeah, whatever. It's weird. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that. No. I mean, that was the whole purpose of my talk at Traffic and Conversion. Yes. I literally spent time going up to people and I wore, back, I was young. I was 27 years old. I mean, this was 12 years ago, mm -hmm. 27 years old, backwards hat, gym clothes on back before it was appropriate at business <laughs> meetings. Um, and you could tell when everyone was talking to so me. So you're a fashion pioneer. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to brag. Yeah, yeah. A little fashion pioneer. <laughs> um, I set trends 12 years yeah, in advance. What? Yeah. No big deal. But everybody was looking over me and I was thinking in my head how funny it was that they could either, they either didn't take the time and quickly gave me the not interested. Right. They did what you said, kind of like, yep. Uh-huh. Nice to meet you. Oh, that's really interesting. Oh, cool. Yep. Uh, I'm, I own this company and we're waiting to move on to someone who they thought added more value. I'm kind of surprised that that was the case there. I, it was. I, I like to feel that the people there having gone as a nobody, yep. you know, and then going as an owner. Um, I know there's a difference clearly, but my experience was, was pretty, pretty open. So I'm well, sorry that you had it, that experience. Well, actually it worked out really well because yeah. then I went on stage and spoke Right. and to see those eyes. And that taught me something that I've just put in my book about relationship capital. It cemented the value of, they didn't realize that now I'm the same human mm -hmm. and whether or not I added any value to them or not is irrelevant, mm -hmm. but if I had started on stage, they would have spoken to me. Right. And that whole quantifying and classifying people prevents us from so much growth. Yeah. 
And I think successful people don't do that. I think that they assess quickly. So like to me, I think that the beginning, you must be open. But if you're open and then you invest time in every one that you meet, you won't have any time. So you have to make decisions quickly about, can I help this person? Can this person help me? Um, do I have time for this as a relationship? And so I think that what what you're saying to me is really smart because it's you you know you do pre-qualify and pre-judge, and that's a huge mistake because it then shuts you down Correct. to the people. And they know people get that. You you felt that from everybody that you met that did that, right? But you also can't then talk to everybody because then you don't have time for your family or for the things you need to do. So I think it's a combination of that. Like, like But where is the trigger point mm -hmm. is the question. Remain completely open, help everybody bring value. Don't spend too much time in things that aren't going to go anywhere because I do find myself asking more these days to what end, Sure. right? To what end? Okay, so you know, I'm going to go in, I'm going to do this deal that this person wants to do and everything, and then what's going to happen? You know, but you're further in the game. Yes. And I yeah. think in the first quarter of your business game, you need to go through script. You need to try and see what's going to work. Mm -hmm. You need to see if you can get a lead. Mm -hmm. Once you have a lead, you got to play a little different. Yep. You have to be more strategic because to your point, I mean, you're obviously have done so many amazing things. You have a brand, the Roland Fraser brand, your personal brand, which is renowned. You're on stages. Everyone wants access to you. And to your point, you've you now have a paid access to get with you. And mm -hmm. I highly recommend everyone take advantage of it because you're one of the few that I will, gen and I say this not in a bad way towards everyone, but a lot of people have paid access and maybe there isn't enough value for mm -hmm. what they're getting. I, I think a lot of, that's true in a lot of cases. Yes. You genuinely give more value than like you're, no, no offense, you're cheap. Yeah. It, it's, I'm a good value. It's important to me though, because I feel like, uh, so Ryan Dice is a business partner of mine. We've started, I think, three things where we would have somebody pay $100,000 and hated every single time and like gave the money back twice. And then the, the last time was, you know, okay, well, we're going to just, you know, quintuple over deliver. <laughs> I, it's like, I feel beholden to people like that. I want to deliver 10 times the value that, that they bring. And I think it's important to keep a non-paid channel open as well. So like I answer all my social uh, DMs right? Don't do the comments, just too many. Um, but, um, but if somebody wants to reach out, there is a channel of access. Now I'm not going to spend a tremendous amount of time with them, right? If it's not, if there's not some thing that we're going to talk about, but I think it's just important to, to, to find that balance. And I'd love to brainstorm a formula here of how do you be open to anything so that you're not prejudging and then also quickly assess how do I do this? Like, what, what am I going to do with this while also being nice and giving back to the world and balancing your time? Sure. That's, I want to read your book so I can figure that out. <laughs> well, before I answer that, I do want to say that what you just said, I know is true because when you showed up in my studio today, I actually just did someone's podcast. They came to my studio and I was on their episode, their show. His name's Kevin. He mentioned to me that he won. I was like, Hey, you know, uh, whatever we were chatting and I said, Oh, Roland, Roland's coming. He's like, Roland Frazier. I'm like, yeah. He's like, Oh, you know, I actually reached out to him through DM and he responded to me, or at least I think it was him. That's cool. Yeah. So, <laughs> and then I was like, well, stick around and meet him. So you got to meet him, you know, as again. Yeah. So what I do with that exact, how I balance it is I immediately try to find what I can do to, to add value. Yes. Quickly. Yes. 
and the lowest friction point yep. where I can immediately. So for him today, it was meeting you. Yep. I was like, well, stick around. He's coming in 20 Literally minutes. Just as you walk up, it was pretty easy. Yeah. It was very easy. Yep. He met, met you for one minute. Right. I delivered value. He leaves. He got what, what I think he wanted. Yep. I can now say I did good for for Kevin or what yep. I could. And have, he'll what, remember. And he'll remember. Yep. And I made a deposit. Yep. And that's what my book's about is I made a deposit. So if I call Kevin and I realize someone's on his show or someone he knows, I'm sure he'd make an intro now for me. I don't have to spend a ton of time. It didn't cost me anything as far as like money or extensive amounts of my time. Right. I didn't offend you. Right. It was a quick intro. Right. So I think what I try to do is I don't classify or quantify, but it's like the woman at Albertsons. I just say hi. Yeah. And if there's something I can do, I, I can do it. Yeah. If not, it's just a, a nice gesture. Yeah. Humanize them. Yes. Because we're so focused on our phones and oblivious, just a human connection. Make eye contact, say hi. Yeah. And what I teach my team to do is find something on the person to talk about. Yeah. Nice watch, nice shoes. Right. If they have a kid, always compliment the children. Yeah. Glasses, hat. Oh, Sincerely. there's. It's not that hard to find a thing like that. We do that for, uh, for getting good deals on hotel rooms, right? It's... Make friends with the person at the front desk. The person, I mean, that's the other thing people don't realize too, is that like the lady that you, uh, that was working the checkout thing, mm-hmm. right? They're all decision makers. They're all decision makers. It's not the CEO. Like there's a bunch of people that decide whether you get to talk to the CEO. There's a bunch of people that the CEO has relationships with that they're going to ask about you. And so whatever you're trying to do, if you understand that everybody's a decision maker, then you can say, and, and at every level, yep. right? Even down to the uh, the traffic stop. You're driving too fast, you get stopped. Well, that officer has the ability to make the decision to give you a ticket or not give you the ticket. Yeah, he's judge and, and jury right there. that can right go there. all the way up to you're in jail and the district attorney is chasing you, right? It's, it's, it's just amazing people don't think about that. And so I know people that disregard the officers. I got a ticket a few years back and... Um, and the officer that gave it to me is at the end, he said, thank you for being nice. And still I was wrote thinking, you a ticket though. Hey, you still wrote me a ticket. Yeah. Um, but I was, it was funny because, well, cause I'm, I guess it, it was one of those stupid things where they are truly there mm-hmm. to hit the quota. Right. But, um, but yeah, what am I going to, you know, it, it's, but he had the ability to do that and I have been let go and I'm not a, you know, uh, attractive young woman that, uh, you know, uh, you know, although I do try to identify one while they're giving me the ticket, but, um, no, uh, it, it really does, um, make a difference. And so like going to the lady you were talking about or at hotels to get upgrades, I'm looking always for something I can connect with someone on that we have in common. Where are you from? Your accent is this, you lived there, you're here, you know, what's your favorite room in the hotel, whatever. Um, and then looking for something I can compliment them on. And it's so easy. And if you can make that a habit, then you're making that deposit instantly. And I get upgraded to crazy rooms for no extra cost all the time just because mm-hmm. of that, like that alone. And I know that it carries on in the whole rest of life because it's, it's I don't find life to be difficult. You know, I find that I move through life happy and with good relationships and with people going out of their way to do things for me. And it's not just because, because it's been before I had any business success or personal brand or anything. I think because you're a nice human being to other humans and you're looking for that easy way to connect and make that initial deposit. And it's attract, it's attraction. Yes. People are attracted to positivity. Negativity 
is not attractive. No, it's repellent. It's repelling. Yep. And it works whether you're an employee and you do it with your coworkers. It's amazing. You know, my friends always joke, oh, Fenster luck because things fall in my lap. They don't fall in my lap, but they fall in my lap. Yeah. They fall in my lap because I'm out doing all these things every day to create enough opportunities where things just fall in my lap. Right. Oh, I get a phone call and so-and-so says, hey, you should meet so-and-so. And and that so-and-so is a huge A-lister. Yeah. Well, that person made that introduction because I may have made enough deposits over the years. Yeah. To where I never asked for anything. I think it was Gary Player that said it, uh, that somebody was like, you know, God, you're really a lucky putter. And he's like, the more I play, the luckier I get. Yes. The more you do, the luckier you get. I mean, that's that luck comes from all of the deposits you make. Yes. And I think it's also important, and I want to go back in time, because some people think it's based on upbringing, silver or golden spoon, um, who you know before you do anything. Family has wealth and resources. A lot of people grew up in broken homes. Some people were incarcerated Mm -hmm. and they think that they can't rebound from that. And Mm -hmm. I think that there's a part of your story that is important to address because if I'm listening to this and I don't know Roland Frazier, I think, well, yeah, sure, Roland, you went to law school, you're a lawyer, you're smart, you probably had a good upbringing, you had wealth. Yeah, it's really easy. But you actually had a, a troubled past and you did go to jail. I did. And so you had to rebuild yourself with that stigma. Mm-hmm. And one of the times I actually asked you to be on one of my boards is how I learned about this. Cause you had to tell me, Hey Jeff, I'd love to, but right. I don't know if you're okay with that. And also it may be not good for you. Right? And it may not be good for yeah. me. And you were protective of the fact that this was years ago when I asked, but that information is so important. So if you don't mind share with us a, how you rebounded from that and B when you first came out of jail, what, what, well, let's start with this. When you first came out of jail, what did you have? Um, I didn't have uh, I didn't have a lot. Um, I had basically uh, I had a house that I was able to keep, uh, but I had lost quite a bit because when uh, all the all of that went down, my uh, my wife said she didn't think she needed a man in her life anymore, and so she left. And I, you know, she thought that uh, that the ship was going to go down, and um, I wasn't probably in the best place mentally either. Um, so, um, I, uh, I, I had my partners, I called my law firm and they answered it without my name, even though my name was in the, in the thing. And, um, it, it's kind of interesting. Everyone, um, ran and, um, not that I didn't deserve it because, uh, I, I was definitely not in a good place. Uh, and I was surprised that what happened happened. And I think that, it was uh, it was a time that was really really hard time that I did, did thought about suicide. I didn't think I wanted to be here. You know, I was like I didn't want to face it going in. Didn't want to face it going out. But ultimately, um, it took me a while, uh, a couple of years of basically being incredibly depressed to get out of that and coming back from thinking, what am I going to do? Because sure. I'm, I I had to um, I resigned from the bar. So that was, I defined my, literally people say, you know, so what do you do? I'm an attorney. You know, well, I can't say that anymore. Uh, I don't have that identity. So were you forced to resign? No. Well, I mean, I, if I hadn't, it would have, um, I, I assume it would have happened. Right. Um, I didn't want to take that. Chance. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Go out on your own terms, you know, of course you can't fire me. I quit. <laughs> um, but, uh, I, I think that as far as like, um, I didn't have anything but 
a desire to go on once I got past the desire not to go on. And um, so then it took, and it was kind of interesting too, because there were people uh, inside when I was there that were corporate consultants and things like that. And they were like, I can't do anything anymore. I can't make money. I can't do anything. You know, and they're thinking they're going to work at Starbucks and Panera where I watched some of them work. I ran into them after I got out and um, it was interesting. Uh, but I I'm ultimately was just kind of, I've got to figure out how do I get through this and what am I going to do? And I'm not going to be a good employee. I had a couple of people that were like, you know, do you want to come and have a job? And I was like, that sounds terrible. I don't, I think I did that renting skates at Golden Skate World, you know, when I was 16, maybe. Um, so I was kind of determined I was going to do my, make my own way again. And then it was just kind of being lost at, I can't do the thing. I could have gone to take the bar again and all that. And, um, you know, and try to get relicensed, but uh, I, I didn't really want to do that. I had kind of had my fill of it, and so it was, it was just where can I find the thing that I can add value? And I remember the the place that I ultimately decided on because I had always really liked marketing. The thing I liked about law wasn't practicing law. The thing about law, liked about law was you come in and I get to sell you on having me be your attorney. You know, I like that, and. Um, so I like marketing a lot and decided I was going to make a study of marketing and signed up for all of the things, which is how I met Ryan. I found uh, Dice. I found some little marketing letter that he had before digital marketer even existed. And I was like, that guy seems smart. And this SEO, this internet thing seems like it might turn out to be something. And so I'm going to get good at that. And um, then I, I didn't really know what to do. And I tried a whole bunch of things kind of figuring out. Uh, and ultimately it was there were people that had lists of people that um, that they had relationships with, but they weren't connecting through them through live events. And so I was like, I can put together a program to help them do live events, which is a a part of the value chain that they don't have right now. And, um, and then I can go to an unlimited number of people that have those relationships that aren't monetizing through that channel. And so I would give them the whole... Uh, the whole program of here's a whole bunch of emails you can send out. Here's how you get people to do it. I'll take the risk on the venue, which was an interesting, you know, game to, 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 to play uh, signing up for that liability and get them in. And then um, you should have a mastermind. And so I had a mastermind that any of those people in that world's uh, audiences could join. So there was one place that they could go and doing those events and, uh, selling those masterminds was kind of my comeback. And then that, that each step along the way that built relationships, which was kind of not intentional, accidental with a whole bunch of people that had relationships with audiences that turned out were influencers that turned out new people that introduced me to other people that then kind of things snowballed into where, you know, where I've managed to get to now. Well, so the day you came out, to the day that you achieved that level of confidence to say, Hey, I can retake myself, my future. I can thrive. How long was that period? Um, I, I gotta tell you that the pre going in and the out periods right around there were, are pretty blurry for me. Sure. But, um, I, I mean, I came out, I've got to, I've got to make money. Yeah. Uh, the, the business that I had started, 
uh, years ago that was like, so I had a direct marketing business through direct mail that I had started maybe, um, maybe eight years prior to the whole, um, the whole jail thing. And, um, when I got out while I was in, they were telling me, you know, things have changed, competition, this, you know, we're losing money. And I was kind of puzzled by it. Cause I was like, how could that be the case? And, um, and so when I got out, I found out that the decisions that had been made were basically to cut the two biggest expenses, which was postage and paper, which meant that no mail was going out. Right. Direct mail needs those two things, so I think. Shockingly, there was not money coming in. But here's how it happened, because that's like people hear that and they're like, oh, what idiots. It's <laughs> like, well, you know, maybe. But um, uh, in fairness to the people that were running it, the money did keep coming for several months because there's a tail. Yep. So they were living off the tail and not really associating that. They were like, oh my gosh, look, we, we've saved on all these expenses, but, and the money keeps coming. So we're making this crazy profit, but that only lasts so long. And I wasn't gone that long. I was only five months. So, but during that five months was when those decisions were made. And so it was trailing off. So when I came back, it was a guy that I had known for years. It was a software programmer was like, Hey man, I, I love you, mean it, but I can't, I can't work and not get paid. Sure. And um, so I had to loan the business. I had to loan the business $7,000. It was like $7,400 for a new campaign. And um, I think that campaign generated like $150,000 and that restaked the company. And then- That's a pretty good return. It was pretty good. Yeah. I, I, I mean, you know, when you're <laughs> under pressure, you're like, okay, <laughs> what is the thing that's going to move the needle? And um, and so that-, that Really, I, I brought that business back. I got all the debts paid off that they had. And then kind of once I got that set, uh, went back into the other things. So so to answer your question in the longest way possible, I I think it was pretty quick because my my dealing with the, the loss of reputation and income and family and partners was all before that. And that period was about um, two and a half years. Yeah. And it was, that was a, uh, maybe a six month, I don't get out of bed. I mean, seriously, just, I can't, I just kind of lost, um, kind of depression, lost defeatism or whatever you want to call it, but truly just, you know, not knowing what to do because everything in your world has, is different than you thought it was. And yeah. your future is different than you thought it was. Your identity is different than you thought it was. But it's important to me not to identify as that person or that situation. It's like, I am not somebody that went to jail in my mind. I am someone who has that in my experience. And I have all kinds of negative things in my experience, but I had the benefit of years ago reading two stories and one was this terrible failure and one was this amazing success. And it was basically highlighting the um, successful and fail points of Abraham Lincoln. And um, and it was like, you read the one, it's like, ran for this and lost that, lost that office, went bankrupt, did this, you know, it's like, oh my God, you know? And then the other one is, you know, did this, won this, won this, became a senator, became the president, you know? We all live a couple of lives. And as you said earlier, People like to be with people that are positive, 
because it we because there is a positive story. I don't like to be around people that are negative, and my wife will tell you I have a sunshine pump. You know, <laughs> it's like you you make positive out of everything. And I read a thing on Apple News uh, a couple of days ago that said that um, people that are overly positive do damage, and I think that that it's and I've had a hard time wrestling with that because my wife it tends more towards she is okay being sad. She's okay um, talking about the negative things. I don't like those things, so I don't tend to want to talk about them. I think that it is important to understand that there are things that are negative. It is important to understand that there's pain and to experience that, but to dwell on it is a mistake. And so I don't want to spend time focusing on it much because I've got too many places I want to go. And so, um, so again, the very long answer to your question was, uh, it, it was a process for me of going through, um, do I want to be here? I'm lost. I'm a failure. I, I, you know, I'm not the person I thought I was. I'm ashamed of myself. You know, how am I going to deal with that? I don't want to be that person to, you know, finally figuring out how do I get past that? I got past it by travel. Um, and I was sitting in a little church and I'm not a super religious person, but I was sitting in a little church and, um, in Copenhagen around Christmas time. And I, it was just this little thing about the size of this room with stained glass all around the top and something happened, uh, not like a vision or experience or anything, but just like a realization, you know, I, I don't want to be this sad lost person. All I have to do is go forward. Yeah. And, um, and I get to chart the course. And so that was the decision I made. And after that, and it was very, very like instantaneous too, which was kind of funny, but, um, but that, then it was immediate going back into it from there. So I think it was just getting my, getting my act together. Well, <clears throat> I think that's very powerful because I'm sure you've heard me mention my five minute pity party that I do where I set a timer in five minutes. I actually embrace the feelings. And I think it's important. My, when I do that, it's normally smaller issues, mm-hmm. obviously, um, not. You did not read a document that said the entire United States of America versus you? I did not. Because I read that and I was like, United States, in, in law school, they had those. Yeah, sure. United States of America versus Jackson. I was like, it sucks to be Jackson. I'm like, you know what? It sucks to be Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know how I would feel in that circumstance. Mm-hmm. And as part of the United States, um, I, I'm surprised that you were mad at me. I, I, I was a little mad at yeah. you, but I got over it pretty quick because you're, you're a good dude. <laughs> but I think to your point, it's about moving forward. And, and one of the things I always lean back on, and I'm going to use jail as, as one of these is mm-hmm. if Kim Kardashian can have a sex tape and be now paid millions of dollars by some of the most wholesome brands in the world, mm-hmm. and they're willing to overlook what she did in her past. And someone like you, who is such a monumental figure and impactful individual and inspiring can overcome jail. Like we, as the rest of us who maybe aren't dealing with severity issues that are as severe, we can overcome them, overcome them too. So long as we make the decision to move forward, start charting our own course and change the behavior. And I think taking immediate decisive action and stop being negative Mm -hmm. and understanding that positivity and forward tomorrow's a new day. Mm -hmm. Those are the foundational pieces. And I think your history, and then one of the reasons I want to talk about it was because I think your history is, it's it's unique, but it also in, empowers and enables others to realize that whatever is holding them back, whatever they think is something that is so insurmountable yep. that they will not be able to, you know, I failed out of college. Uh, I got divorced. I failed at my first company, my second company, my eighth company. I got fired from my great job. I, I went bankrupt. Whatever Whatever those issues are, 
They're not insurmountable. No, they're not. Your best days are tomorrow. They they are lessons. Uh, and so for me, you know, I am more humble than I was before. I am more careful than I was before. Um, and, you know, I, 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 the I'm also significantly happier because my life now is much better than my life was before. And, you know, you never know what is behind that next door. And it's usually something better, right? I mean, if, if you're looking for the possibility of something better, then there's a reason I believe that things happen and it's all going to help inform who we are later. But there is always a better story for you to live on the other side of whatever bad thing you're going through. My wife is a good example too. Um, she had stage four thyroid cancer. They told her she had 90 days to live. She had to write a letter to a doctor as to why she should be picked among the pool of people that were trying to get attention from him as one of the leading doctors in that area, which was not just, I have to beg for my life, but was like, I'm literally competing against other people. And if I get picked, other people are not. That's a pretty difficult spot. And um, what she, uh, it, I, I didn't really process this, but because she had that experience with cancer, what, you know, people will come to her and ask about it. And she's like, if you give up and cry and say, poor me, you're going to die. You're literally going to die. Yeah. As an entrepreneur, I know how meaningful it is to invest in the people and causes that are close to me. And on GoFundMe, it's easy, safe, and powerful to do just that. Whether you're supporting a family member, friend, local business, or charity. And whenever you make a donation, you're protected by the GoFundMe giving guarantee. Visit GoFundMe.com today to help make a positive difference in your community. But if you say, I'm going to fight, you have a chance. You don't have a guarantee but none of us does, right? But it was an interesting it was an interesting first date because on our first date, um, she said, uh, I have cancer. I don't know if I'm going to live. And I said, that's okay. I'm going to probably go to jail. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, we should hang out. <laughs> Opposites yeah. do attract. But you, you know, our, our lives on, for both of us are so much better than they were before um, because we found our person and we, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're uh, super, super happy. So- I think that closing door is always gonna uh, gonna have at least one possible good positive door. I couldn't agree more, and I think it's a good segue into really what you're focusing on now, which I think enables so many more people to take control of their financial freedom and get involved in great companies and actually start to live the best version of themselves. One of them, well, there's two of them, and I'm gonna let you kind of go into a little bit of detail for for those listening. But the first one is. Consulting for equity. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is such an incredible concept. It's one that I've learned from you. Um, I deploy it. I use it. So I've gained a lot of equity in companies by using my experience and what I've been learned, uh, what I've learned over the years and help other companies by doing it. Mm -hmm. um, but the second one is to buy and well, basically acquire other companies for little or no money down. Right. I used to say out of pocket and there is a distinction. Yeah. It's um, the opposite. It's not, not little or no money down, but little or no money out of pocket. Sorry. Yeah. I butchered okay. it, but that's no, okay. That's, no what, that's what we're here for. It's keep, okay. keep teaching me. <laughs> um, but for those listening, explain what those two concepts are and then yeah. we can dive into it. Yeah. So uh, the consulting for equity concept is that um, we all have knowledge, skills, experience, and connections that can be valuable to other people. 
And so there is an opportunity to turn that into a currency that is a form of capital, and capital is what most businesses need. Um, but capital is not just money. Capital is basically anything of value, any resource that can help the business. So thinking about if I am interested in having I, – I'm trying to think of the order to talk in. So let me start with wealth, right? Uh, I think that most of the world is focused on income and not wealth. And it's a tragic mistake because, because if you don't have wealth, you're not building assets, you will always be a slave to labor, right? And if you only focus on wealth, then you might starve in the meantime. I know lots of people that have gone bankrupt that had tremendous wealth but no income. <laughs> and so to me, you have to be thinking about both of those things. So then I think about, well, what is the fastest path to that? It's how can I get, how can I take resources that I've got, whether I have money or not, um, I do have experience, knowledge, skills, and connections. And if I could turn that into a form of capital that would allow me to own an interest in several businesses, I can effectively have my own portfolio of businesses through a private equity fund that is me. And, um, and I'm making the investments, but I'm unconstrained by money I don't need to go raise a bunch of money. I don't need to have a bunch of money. I don't need to have a bunch of credit. I don't need to have anything, right? I could literally come out of, I don't know, jail and be able to acquire <laughs> interest in businesses, right? And um, and everyone can do that because everyone has some thing that is a value or they can go and arbitrage OPG, right? People talk about other people's money. There's other people's genius. And most people sell their genius for pennies on the dollar. So I go to consulting. Consulting is an interesting world. And I never wanted to be a consultant because I never wanted to trade dollars for hours, right? There's a scale problem. There's a dependency problem. You're a dancing bear. As long as you dance, people throw money. When you stop, it stops. So I didn't want to be part of that. But I also realized that most of these consultants are building other people's brands. And they're building those brands and helping those people create wealth. And they're doing it for a one-time payment of some amount of consulting fee, right? And whether that's a five-year consult or a two-day consult, it's still a finite amount of time and there is no brand value, no equity, no wealth that is built from it in the thing that they're adding value to, but they're adding value to it. So if you kind of change your philosophy and say, I'm not going to be available to be bought for pennies on the dollar for a fee. And you're seeing this a lot right now in entertainment because People you mentioned, Kim Kardashian, Ryan Reynolds, Kim Kardashian, George Clooney, The Rock, they're taking ownership in the brands, Kylie Jenner, that they have as opposed to just being a paid spokesperson, right? They're taking ownership in it. That's really smart because now if they're not pretty anymore, if they get canceled or whatever thing might happen in the world, you know, um, they can't act, they get too old, they age out, all the terrible things that happen to actors, um, they'll have wealth because they'll have built assets. Yep. And so to me, that's available to everyone. Everybody can do that because we all have something that is of value or access to something that is of value, which leads to the ability to pick something that you like and live in your area of joy and genius, right? I can do the things that I like and I can go and I don't even have to, I, you are a unicorn because you can start businesses that are successful multiple times. Most people can't, right? 
I don't want to take the risk of that. So I'm taking the easy way out by saying, hey, Jeff, you started a great business. <laughs> you know, I see that it survived the, you know, startup period and now you're successful. Let me bring value in some form of something to you, which kind of goes back to our earlier conversation. I have to ask you about that and have conversations to even know what that is. But then once I know what it is, I'm searching, how can I bring you value? And if I can bring you value, you're probably going to be willing, if it's enough value, to say, hey, I'd like to have you be part of my company. And so that's really what consulting for equity is about. And do you want me to talk about the other thing or do you want to talk about consulting for equity first and then I can talk about it? Let's do other. consulting for equity first. So, because I think it is, number one, it's something that I've deployed. Yep. Um, I used to get hit up a bunch. Can you do some consulting? And I don't have a coaching program or yep. a consulting program, really. I've done a few one-offs. I find that if I can't add immense value, I just don't feel good about it. Yeah, of course. And because it's not my main thing, my main thing is my companies. Yeah. Um, I want to make sure that, to your point, I, I don't want to open everything to this company that's paying me thousands of dollars a month right. because number one, I don't know them that well. Right. And number two, I only get to go to my network so many times and right. say, Hey, would you? Yeah. So I don't do it. Right. And considering your opportunity cost of the time that you invest in your own companies can add tremendous value to those companies. So you have to be careful where you put your effort. Right. Yeah. And so I think it was maybe four or five years ago, we were sitting in Rancho Santa Fe at, uh, having some lunch at Rancho Valencia. Mm -hmm. And you brought this concept up to me and told me, cause I was asking, I was, I was picking Roland's brain about the fact that I get hit up for consulting on startups and entrepreneurship. And I always say no, but am I wrong to say no? Because I'm leaving a lot of money on the table and I see a lot of friends that are making a killing doing it. And you brought this up to me. And so I started to think about it in more in that context. And so I started doing it. And now I own equity in some companies and I add value and I open up my, my Komodo of relationships right? because I'm helping my own company. Right. It's no exactly. longer am I helping someone else's company. Right. I'm helping my own. Right. So I'm building that wealth. Yeah. And, and I, along the way, because you're getting profits from the company, you're also getting income. So you, you get to have both, which is kind of cool. It is kind of cool. Yeah. And it's something that if you're, if you're not sure how to get involved and maybe you aren't great at startups and maybe you can't start the company, which... I understand that is my skill, but it's not everyone's skill. Mm -hmm. And there gets to a point where I'm no longer really valuable to an organization mm -hmm. once we get to a certain size right. and other people are amazing. Right. That's where you can add that value. Right. Sweat equity is great. I mean, Brian Augustine, our chief development officer, when I had one store, he hit me up and said, don't pay me because I had no money to pay him because I was building all these stores and I wasn't ready for him, but he's, he wanted to get involved. And he said, let me come in and instead of paying me, take my salary and just give me equity. Right. And today, he's one of our top executives. He owns a material stake in the company. If you go back and look at what the value of that equity is and what our company's worth, he got paid a ton year one. Right. And that's an, another way to do it if you don't even have the resources is sweat equity yep. is equity. And he opened a door that might not have otherwise been open to him, right? If you're looking at all the different people that you could put in whatever position that he came in at, it's a different calculus than if he's like, I'll come for free startup that needs money. Yep. That's like, well, you go to the top of the list if you've got any kind of qualifications, right? Yeah, you're one of one. Right. Yeah, there's not a lot of resumes there. Exactly. Most people need to get paid. Exactly. Um, And so that's what I loved about that. And now I do want to touch the second one. Yep. Because I think this one is equally, if not more fascinating, because a lot of people might not feel confident in their own skills or their own ability to add value to an organization that's somewhere further. So sure. explain it to us and then we can talk about it's it. It's funny too, because to me... I would think that the 
consulting for equity would be the easier of the two for people to understand. But people have such doubts about the value that they bring that it is the harder of the two for them to get. I believe it is the easier of the two to do. It is, but even I think we all struggle with it because what we take, that what we do really well, all of our superpowers come easy to us. Mm -hmm. So we take for granted that they don't come easy to everyone else. Yeah, agree. And you've cleared this in my own perspective a ton of times. Yeah. I mean, you've kind of been my, my consigliere on that because <laughs> even I get insecure about some of my skills and you're like, Jeff, what you do, no one else can do. Like, right. Monetize it. Right. Right. But it comes easy to me. So I feel in my head, it's easy for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. It's it the is. hard stuff for me that I feel is hard for everyone else. Yes. Which is funny, right? right. Because for them, for the people that know, it's not hard. <laughs> so the other one is, um, uh, is basically acquiring companies for little or no money out of pocket. So acquisitions, I'm a huge believer in it's, if you look at the failure rate of companies, uh, in the first few years versus the failure rate of companies that have been around for five or so years, it's significantly less risk to be involved in a company that's been around for several years. So chances are, unless you are inventing something brand new, that there is a company that already does whatever thing is that you want to do, whatever business plan you're planning on executing, right? Um, they might not do it well. It might be able to be wildly innovated, but there's already an infrastructure of sales, profits, employees, uh, management, you know, all of that stuff already exists. And so to tap into that, to me, you're starting with a momentum and momentum in business to me is critically important. You're starting with a momentum that you don't have in a startup. You're starting with a certainty of at least a runway if you just don't mess things up that you can continue to make the profit that's already been made. So can you get into that business that already is profitable, that already exists versus starting one from scratch and have a better chance of success? I think it's yes. And because literally it's already successful in this one, we don't know. Um, it's, it's a different set of skills because it's much more innovate, manage, optimize than it is create, bootstrap, struggle, right? Problem solve. Problem solve. I mean, you're always problem solving, but it's a definitely a different set of problems. So, uh, and it's, there's not the terrifying, <laughs> where am I going to get money, right? Um, so if you could do that without having to have the credit or money that it typically requires to acquire a business, then I think that's a pretty cool path for a lot of people. And, and it's, if you think about it, like, why do people like franchises? Yep. They like franchises because it's a business plan. Everything's already done. The branding's done. You've got a track record of success from all the other franchises that have gone before. You've got a franchisor who's going to take you under their wing and help you. It's a fantastic business model. It's I a love, business in a box. Yeah, love the franchise model. So this is a, you know, a form of that in that you're coming in with all of that support to start out. And so then it's like, okay, well, Here's the other cool thing. I started realizing that a lot of things that I was doing to acquire real estate with little or no money out of pocket would apply to business, but so many more strategies apply to business than applied to real estate. There's so many more levers to pull. And the number of financing sources that are available from angels and SBA and banks for uh, startup businesses is a tiny fraction of the resources that are available to fund the acquisition of an existing business. And so I think the last time I counted, I was like at 225 different 
strategies to stack on top of each other to be able to acquire a business uh, where I can only think of eight or nine for a startup. And I think 225 is a little more than eight or nine. I mean, I'm no mathematician. <laughs> I, I don't know. You know, it's, it's math is hard. Right. Um, but yeah, so, so what's cool is that to me right now, we're in this really great time opportunity wise where there are millions and millions of baby boomers that own, I think it was 12 million businesses that have a value of about $10 trillion that are going to be transitioning over the next decade or two. And um, most of the kids of those boomers that have those businesses want to be Instagram stars and internet personalities and YouTube stars, which there's nothing wrong with, but they're just not interested in your parking lot business and your laundromat and your you know digital marketing agency. They're just not. It's, it's boring and mm -hmm. sounds old, Yet those are profitable businesses. So then that creates a glut of businesses that are for sale, listed for sale, that can't be sold. And so even like most of them don't get listed, but even the ones that get listed, 80% of those to 90%, depending on whose data you look at, never sell. That means that 80 to 90% of the people that actually want to sell go out and hire somebody to help them and go through a complete marketing campaign to try to find a buyer cannot sell, which is another reason that about 600,000 businesses a year just close their doors, right? I, I can't tell you how many times people I talk to have gone to somebody who had a business that they wanted to take over and they're like, oh, sweetheart, I'm sorry. You know, we, we tried. It's usually, you know, mom and pops, uh, but they're big mom and pops. We really tried, and this was in particular a business that was making $7 million a year in sales and about $2.5 million in profit. And they're like, we just closed it down. Now, that's crazy. That is crazy, but they didn't know what to do. They didn't want to do it anymore. Employees couldn't take it over, right? I mean, it's true. Can anything for it? They didn't need the money. It's, it's fascinating because actually the very first Everbowl, the way I found the location, I was visiting a client in Poway. And I went into a Smoothie King for a smoothie and the guy who owned it was literally bringing things from the walls to his van. And I said, is something going on? He said, I'm closing my doors on Friday. This is my last week in business. And I go, did you sell? And he goes, no, I asked for too much money. I couldn't sell, but it kept me afloat for 20 years. And the, I'm just closing the doors. Right. I called the landlord and picked that as my location because I figured if a Smoothie King was successful, my health conscious food, acai bowls was close enough. Right. I could be successful. Right. To your point. He failed to sell his successful Smoothie King franchise. Yeah. That kept him for 20 years. 20 years. Right. And I built my first ever bowl, which is the birth of all these. And I was successful in the same location, which right. means it's a profitable location. Right. And I, I'm now thinking about why he wasn't able to sell it. That, and that happens again and again and again and again. So, the, so there's this tremendous opportunity. And to me, you're actually doing good because these people want to sell their businesses, but there's this tremendously inefficient market out there of business brokers that are um, supposed to help these people sell their businesses, but most of them are kind of lazy and don't, you know, don't have any creativity. And uh, before you even get to talk to them, they're like, send me a proof of funds that you have the $3 million to buy this business in your bank account. And it's like, you know that people in the investment banking world don't even do that, right? right? That's not how that works, <laughs> but okay. Um, so they, they really stand in the way of it. And, and so they, you've got all these people that want to sell that need to sell who will not be able to realize the value of their businesses, who's going to, they're going to let their employees go. They're going to let the customers down. They're going to, you know, end the legacy that they built for 20 years. And then it's just going to go 
poof, and it's gone. So we get to help those guys have continuity for the employees, for the sales, for the customers, for whatever they've built up. And we get to come into a business that's already proven that's been profitable for 20 years. And we don't have to put any money up because they're motivated because they've already tried, right? Now, if you can find the Smoothie King guy as he's carrying the stuff to the door, that's the ultimate moment to find them because a lot of times the reason the businesses don't sell is that the valuations don't make any sense. Correct. They're like, well, by gosh, it's, you know, it's worth that. It's my baby. It's so it's important to have pipeline and to build relationships with people so that you are top of mind when they get to the, I'm going to take the stuff off the wall and close it down that you're there to be able to help them. Right. Um, But that's not that hard to do. Those people are identifiable in lots of different ways. So that's like those two things to me, my portfolio of companies, I can't spend cash. It's a great and frustrating problem to have, but I can, I can't spend cash to buy businesses because I find too many of them that I can either have consulting for equity or I can have something There's else. Or no right? money out of pocket. And I have businesses that pay me hundreds of thousands of dollars a month that were consulting for equity deals, right? Mm-hmm. But if you can bring the value, that's the other thing too, is like, as you get, you get started small, you can get started and understand that you can make money off of a Facebook group or a podcast. Um, we just sold a podcast for high six figures that blew me away that we could get that. But we created that from nothing, yep. right? You can go in and acquire those podcasts from people like you or me that might maybe did 100 episodes and got busy and then <laughs> was like, man, this is a lot of work. Sure. But it has value to people. Well, it's the it's the modern way of buying seasoned corporations. It is, yes. Um, buying email lists. Yep. So I know that we could spend hours and you teach this and this is an incredible thing that everyone should learn. Mm-hmm. What is just one high level way? If I identified the Smoothie King guy, and I know there's 225 of them. I'm not asking for all 225, but just a simple one that is digestible so people can walk away going, okay, I don't know 225 ways, but I understand one. Sure. The the easiest would be the, like, I call it a deal stack because they're like Legos. So you basically you have what somebody wants for a business your desire to pay zero, and then how do I stack up as many strategies as I need to to get to fill the gap? So um, the the way that I generally start is I look for 80% seller financing and 20% as an earnout. So I'm going to ask the seller who ideally is motivated, right? Because there are people you'll approach and be like, well, I never thought about selling, but if somebody pays me a stupid amount of money, I'll sell. Well, that's not, that's not your person, <laughs> right. right? Your person is somebody that's retiring, getting divorced, tired of a partner, um, has health issues. Somebody died and the kids took it over. Um, they're relocating, you know, they're, uh, they've got shiny object syndrome, which is something that all of us entrepreneurs do. They found that there's some better use of their time or focus. Think about all the businesses that you have that you've started there's generally a couple that are pro- super profitable that have a lot of potential. You'll let the other profitable ones go and not think twice about it because the opportunity cost of doing all of them is too much. So if you can find those people, then you have a motivated seller. Motivated sellers are typically open to kind of anything because they're pretty much not going to do anything with it otherwise anyway. It's found money for them. So once you do that, then – uh, offering them the ability to carry the note or basically do seller financing. It's like, hey, rather than me going to a bank, why don't we figure out what you want for this? And if it's reasonable, 
then I won't argue with you about the price as long as you're willing to give me terms. And um, if that's the case, like, you know, 10 years at three or 4% interest only with a balloon, that's not a bad place to start. Sure. And um, earnout is basically saying, hey, for some part of the business, um, I'm not sure that it's transferable, like that I'll be able to do what you did and it might take me some time to learn as well. So for a percentage of the business, typically 10 to 40%, let's say that as long as the business hits certain metrics over time or certain employees stay or certain profitability has remained or certain gross sales, um, then I will give you 10% per year for of the total purchase price you're asking. So let's say it was a million dollars. Um, then let's do 800,000 seller financing or maybe 600,000 seller financing, 60% and 40% will do as an earnout. And every year for the next four years, I'll pay you a hundred thousand as long as the business hits these key metrics, right? Which is great because not only does it tie them to the company to ensure that it stays successful like it's been, it also protects you in case they had some special secret sauce that you just don't have. Yeah, or, or they did something that, you know, they're hiding something, right? <laughs> sure. But but it's, it's different in every business. I've gone into businesses where there were large accounts receivable and we were able to go to a factor and get a loan against the accounts receivable to get the seller the down payment that they wanted. We've been, we've gone to, we've had suppliers uh, that, uh, that wrote a check for $2 million just to ensure that the supply that they would continue to be the supplier. We've had, uh, I've gone into companies and found uh, credit card reserves that the owners forgot about of a couple million dollars that we were able to use to fund the business. I mean, businesses that have credit lines already that are not drawn on that we can just have the uh, the seller draw on to pay for the business, then we just assume the loan in the business. I mean, there's like, there's just countless ways to do it. Well, and Roland, you're, you're pretty much a savant at thinking of these wicked smart ways, um, no pun intended, but kind of, uh, <laughs> to do this. And this is one of those areas that if you are listening to this and you know Roland or you're just learning about Roland, you would do yourself wonders to invest in some time with Roland to learn these strategies because these are evergreen. These are the strategies that I'm even, I even use. I'm learning. I always want to learn. When we go to lunch, I'm always picking Roland's brain. Um, and it's those things that can pay dividends for years and years and years to come. If someone's listening and they say, you know what, this is fascinating. I have to learn some of these. I have to better understand how to start viewing the world because you're not going to find them tomorrow if you haven't been looking but you'll start moving through the world with this knowledge, this understanding, this curiosity, and opportunities will just start popping up. And if you don't realize how to take advantage of them, you don't get to be lucky. Yep, that's true. How would they best start to learn with you? What is their paid access with you for this? Well, interestingly enough, I have an unpaid access because uh, I do these challenges across both of these things uh, almost every month. And so one of them is the acquiring businesses with little or no money out of pocket is at getepicchallenge.com and it's free. It's a five-day challenge where we go through and show how to identify businesses to acquire for no money out of pocket, talk about several of the ways that you do it. And um, the other one is called paid for life challenge. And that is the uh, the consulting for equity one. It's also free. It's a three-day challenge and we do the same thing. I, I think that like to me, giving the value of showing people how to do that. And we have lots of people that go through the challenge and then buy lots of companies. And, um, and I never even know about it. Mm -hmm. Right. And until they message me. And, and that's one reason to read your DMS is it's very uplifting 
you know, all these people that tell you how this has changed their life. Um, but both of those are free. And um, then if people decide that they'd like to go deeper, they can go deeper. But I like the idea of giving a complete solution so that people can actually get value from it instead of an incomplete one, which is kind of what they teach you in the info world. Um, and so both of those are are actually free channels of access. And when he says that, I just want to, again, clarify, having known Roland as long as I have, there is so much value in that. Um, I didn't even know that you were going to mention the free models, but you do give so much value. Just take advantage of those. They cost you nothing. Yep. Send me a message after you do it and just let me know that you did it because it'll make me feel good to know that you started to take that immediate decisive action to become successful. And these are great, great methods. If you don't know what company to start, go acquire one or go um, consult for equity. Roland, we could keep going for hours. I'm getting yelled at by the control booth because we've gone for too long, but thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah. Thanks for um, having me. It's always great th to see you. Yes. And we're going to do another one. I think it'd be fun to even do an episode where we do a challenge together and mm -hmm. I actually bring up some some ideas or some businesses that I'm looking at. I like it. And we, we go through them together. Let's do it. Thank you so much, Roland. This was fun. Thanks. Hey everyone. First, I want to thank all of you for tuning in. And if you guys haven't heard about my new book, Relationship Bank Account, click the link in the show notes or search the title on Amazon. This book is packed with all my secrets to success in both relationships and life. Make sure to pick up a copy. And if the book helps you on your journey, let us know by leaving a review. I appreciate all of you and can't wait to see you on the next one.